Hey, Phil. Hey, Senda. You want to do a grab bag episode tonight? Oh, I do. Because we have a secret gaming trip and we need to get this episode done uh, before we leave. <laughs> And welcome to Pandas Talking Games. I'm your host that flew from the east, Phil. And I'm the host that flew from the west, Senda. And as longtime listeners know, typically we do a grab bag episode around a con uh, because we need to double up on shows. Uh, and we often do a grab bag one because they're shorter and faster to prep and um, to get out the door. And we normally have those reserved uh, for convention time. Right. But this is this is this is close. It's close. We um have we've flown to Milwaukee to surprise the Weregator for his fortieth birthday. Um, we actually canceled our <laughs> spring con appearances, which was lucky that we knew in time and didn't have to mess with that. Um, so we needed to get this episode together for you to listen to as we recover from flying back from his birthday extravaganza. If all has gone according to plan, we will have eaten fried cheese curds. Yes, because um, it was We will have gone and visited the cradle of role-playing. Hopefully, yes. We will have uh, thrown some axes. Yep, that sounds like and, fun too. And played some fabulous role-playing games. That's the goal. That is uh, that is all the goal. Um, happy birthday, Gator. Mm-hmm. Um, since we're doing this non-linearly, happy birthday. I'm imagining that we all had a blast. Yes, so. I'm assuming we did. Yeah. And I have not been to Milwaukee since 1996 when I went to Gen Con. I don't think I've ever been to Milwaukee. <laughs> I don't know if February is really the time. I'm not saying February in Milwaukee is exactly the time you go see the city. <laughs> but here we are because, you know, uh, Gator's birthday. Yep. Alrighty, so uh, let's get into a grab bag. As you know, we like to do uh, a couple short topics um, and just kind of fill out the show. And these are unscripted, so these are us just talking about these topics that we're going to kick around. Tonight, all of our topics come from the Tabletop Bellhop Mo. Ding! (laughs) Are you ready for the first of Mo's topics? Yeah, bring it! All right. First one's a pretty classic question. One that I one that I think we've answered before. One I have answered numerous times in seminars, which is, "What do you do when players don't show up for a game?" Yeah, I have the easy answer <laughs> that I know is what my game group does when players don't show up. Well, that's fine. Let's good. Let's start with let, let's do that. Let's make it personal. What do you What do you do in your group if somebody can't show up? Uh, we just play yes instead. <laughs> And sometimes okay, we so just play game? yes anyway. Yeah, backup game. Backup game is good. Backup okay. game. Um, and and sometimes it's easy to. Um, depends on the kind of game that you're playing. Sometimes it's easy to continue with the game that you're playing without that player, and sometimes it's not. Right. So this is where I think we get into a little bit of the topic. Yeah. Which is there's a couple things about about your game. And I'm assuming if you're playing, you know, if we're talking about players not showing up to your home game, then we're probably talking about a campaign. Yeah. Um, if players don't show up to your one shot, okay, that's maybe fine. we can talk about that separately yeah. in a second. <laughs> but if people don't show up for the home game, uh, what do you do? And I was going to slap the Sean P. Kelly, it depends on it. Yeah, that's fair. 
Because it actually does depend. It depends on a whole bunch of things, right? It depends on um, it depends on where you are in the story. Yeah. Are you like uh, because one episode in or are you like sneaking into the dragon's lair at the very, very end of a year's worth of play? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> clearly, if you're clearly if you're at any major point in the game, you probably don't want to proceed. Yep. If you're sometimes if you're in the middle of even if it's not that important, like let's just say you're in the middle of a dungeon. Yeah. Sometimes it can be just weird not to proceed for continuity purposes because you're like, well, I don't know how we even maintain continuity on this. Like if so and so, you know, isn't here because I I don't know about I, I'm sure some groups are totally cool like letting people like letting other people play their characters. I don't think my group is totally cool to be like, hey, you know, if I'm not there, just take my character over and play them. I think the technique that we often do is try to fade the character to the background, right? So we're just like, well, if we are going to play, um, then your character, you know, your character is like Mark from the gamers, right? We just stick you in the back. No one remembers that you're there till the end kind of thing. Do you, do you get that reference? Yes, I do. I have watched okay. that. Um, I mean, so, and, and the reason, the funny thing is the reason that I was like, it kind of depends on the game a little bit is... Um, we do play a lot, so much Yes. We played an entire campaign of Yes, actually, with my local crew here. And the thing about that is, like, you rotate characters anyway. So when we had people fall in and out of that game, it was, like, a non-issue that we just kept going because we just pulled whatever characters we wanted in the scene anyway. That's a pretty unique situation, right? Yeah, so that's so those are games where, one, there isn't a one-to-one um, player. But not um, in the least. We had, like, 30 characters. <laughs> Right. So that that's a game that sets itself up nicely for being able to play in various configurations of, of players. Yeah. Which, again, you're right, is an anomaly. It doesn't really fit how it's a lot of everything. games run. But, uh, but there's a difference between, like, somebody coming in and out of... I mean, it, it does depend on the type of game, right? Like, it may be different for someone to come in and out of Headspace than it is for someone to go in and out of DCC, right? Yeah, actually, so for DCC, I can tell you, because since I run it... At the lower levels, when we have a whole lot of characters, yeah, you don't notice. Uh, I actually just fade them to the background. Yeah. So, like, I had a case where I'm trying to think who couldn't play last week, and we just pushed their characters. Oh, it was uh, Jim. Jim couldn't make it to the game because he had forgotten. He got the um, dates wrong. So we just put his characters at the back of the party, and we're like, "Cool, there's plenty of other characters to still do stuff." So, and and we're not we're not going to get anywhere near finishing this uh, adventure. So when Jim comes back, then Jim's characters will just be there as well. And we just kept saying all along the way, like, "Oh, Jim's characters are at the back of the party." Yeah. And nobody played them or anything like that. Yeah. So the type of story you tell is going to affect this. The type of game that you're playing is going to affect this, right? Like if you're playing a game where everybody's playing an individual character and niches are important, yeah. um, missing a niche can be critical. Like if we're playing D&D and um, you don't have the cleric right. for the night, oh boy, that might be important. <laughs> um, uh other times, um, it's not going to matter as much if we're playing um, lighter story games, if we're playing games with shifting um, narrators, things like that. So some games are structured, like, yes, to withstand that. Other things we can do is if we know that players are going to be possibly dropping in and out of a game, or we know that the game group that we're playing with has a lot of stuff, like family stuff going on, and we need this game to be like resilient mm-hmm. um, to players dropping in and out. Is that we can con- we can construct our sessions 
uh, so that we can do things like Chris used to do this with our uh, Dungeon World game. The end of every session, we always were back in town. So the 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 idea of it was when we started the session, we were in town, we would go into the Airy Peaks, uh, we would go do a thing, and at the end of the session, we would leave the Airy Peaks and then return back to the town. And so what was nice about it was if if on a given week somebody wasn't available, then uh, we would either pro- we would just pick up somebody in the bar. Like we just go get like, you know, the wiz- the other wizard that's, you know, taking a break from their trip and be like, cool, we'll give you five coin if you travel with us, cast a few spells kind of thing. And we just take them with us into the thing and then return them at the end of the session. And that lasted for a while until some of the storylines got too complicated. Uh, and then like one day we like broke the rule and we didn't go back and we were like, oh, no, oh, no, now what? <laughs> right. Like, well, now we all have to be here next week, right? Was basically what we all joked with each other. Well, so what I was going to say is we actually did an an episode on episodic games. And episodic games are one of the ways to manage this, right? If you know that you have people in and out. And that is a thing for my local game group. It's part of the reason that we've been playing things like Yes and that sort of thing. Because um, as much as we all try to prioritize it, we all have stuff happening in life children babies on the way well some people are in the process of moving that's not a temporary situation but you know like but people have had to go in and out and we managed to maintain our games like all the way through the holidays and everything but i don't think that we ever had all of the everybody at the table we just had different configurations of whoever was available yeah so i um so again i think when we go back to this right the the question is uh it depends and then really quickly just to talk about one shots when I um, am doing a con game, I normally will scale a con game to run with uh, at least two, like down to two players. So like in my prep for Hydro Hackers, I have um, at the top of my prep, which playbooks to put out on the table, depending on how many people show up for the event. Yeah. So if only two people show up, then I only put out the two playbooks that are crucial for that for that session so like it might be the hacker and the plumber right and then if there's three people then it's like the hacker the plumber and the diviner right and then you know and then on up from there and then i just keep adding in playbooks until i have a full like i have the full table yeah so i do that purposely like i design my games because i figure it this way when you sign up for a game when you sign up for a game at a con um my intention is to run you that game. So I don't want you to lose out, especially because you didn't pick another game when you took this one. I don't want you to lose out on a chance to play. If only two people show up to the table, only two people show up to the table. I'm running you this game. Right. Yeah. Like it's happening. Get ready. We're going to have, a. we'll probably be done early because a smaller table game runs faster, Yep. but like we're playing this game because you uh, wanted to. Yep. And you came. And you potentially yeah. paid money for it. Yeah, you potentially paid money for it. You showed up. I'm going to entertain you. Yeah. So, you know, sit down, grab some dice. Uh, it's rock and roll time. Yeah. Like, that's my that's my feeling. I very, very rarely cancel. And to be truthful, uh, sometimes we've used friends of ours to sit in on tables to help fill up a table. Oh, yeah. Bob is a uh, Bob, Bob is Bob's great for doing that. <laughs> he's, right. Bob's a he's ringer. He's played so many turning points. And hydro hackers. Yeah. And, um, He's really but, good at turning point, though. He's a delight yeah, to have at the table. 
I mean, he's um, a delight to have at the table just generally. Right. But it is fun. If there's a spot open and you need Bob, like Bob often jumps in. They're like, hey, Bob. And <laughs> I think that's how he him. ended up in the game where I made him cry. It was. Yeah. It was. I think he was filling in a table. He totally was. All right. So cool. I think there's some tips on players showing up. Yep. I agree. Cool. So what, what are your feelings about props? Yeah. Actually, I was going to say, I think we've actually talked about this one before. I like props that Me too. add, um, but I like I like sort of a specific genre of props. I like props Me too. that add verisimilitude without being distracting. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's kind of um, those are my favorite types of props, which usually end up being things like you know the wanted poster off the 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 corkboard at the inn or a map um in pieces or you know things like that that are like cool that you can interact with but that don't then end up being something to mess with at the table like i'm i'm less likely to put like a a cool looking real dagger letter opener thing on the table and be like here is your magic item and not because that wouldn't be awesome but because then what will probably happen for the rest of the game is that the players will sit there and go, ooh, it's so cool, and like slide it in and out of the sheath over and over Oh, yeah, again. yeah. Somebody's totally going to screw around right. with it. They're just going to mess Somebody's gonna with do it. The thing from, they're going to do the thing from aliens on the table. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just inevitable, right? So, Phil, what kinds of yes. props do you like to use? Yeah, actually, um, I'm really bad at arts and crafts, so like... Props are really tough for me. Like I am, I actually run a pretty much low to no prop game. Once in a blue moon, I will break out something for um, like a set piece encounter, but I haven't even done that as of late. I am more apt to, and I guess maybe, I don't know if they, I don't think they count as props because I like, my big thing is like handouts, right? Like right. GM handouts and things like that. I don't think like and, and, and really all the games that I've been running recently, that's also the case because actually, it's all theater of the mind stuff. And I don't know what's going to happen or where it's going to go, so how can I make props for it? I don't know if this counts as a prop or not, hmm. but my um, my clock for Forbidden Lands. Well, I don't think I still think it's like a it's it's actually a game it's mechanic like a tracker, aid. right? Yeah, it's a player aid. I still don't think it's a prop. No, I don't think it's a prop either. No. no, then I don't really play with props that much. Actually, um, I don't either. But I like. But some of the things you said are true. Like I once had a player uh, bring a airsoft gun to a corporation game. And put it on. He put it on the table, and I was the GM, and I messed with that gun uh, until I made him put it back in his bag because I was like, I could not, I could not stop uh, ejecting the magazine, slamming the magazine back in, pulling like like uh, cocking it in place. Like I was constantly messing with the gun. I was like, dude, you got to put this thing away. I, it may be helping your character, but it's like fucking me up as a GM. I'm like <laughs> I can't, I can't pay attention. Yeah, I mean, it, it, there's definitely a balance between like, ooh, how cool is it that I just put this wand you found in the middle of the table, but now everyone is going to keep picking it up and messing with it. And, yeah. you know. Yeah, I just, I'm not good with that. I, I once had a GM who had hats for his NP, for like some of his NPCs and like would bring like hats to the table. 
this is the same player who bought a three musketeers hat for a musketeer game we were playing and like sitting at the table with like this like you know big ass musketeer hat could you even hat. look at him i mean it was it was not easy <laughs> like it's like there's a feather and shit and like i don't know i'm just I'm not a, this is the thing, like, this is why I'm nervous about playing LARPs, because I'm, like, also not a costume guy. See, that is, that's funny, because the moment we hit LARPs, I'm like, fuck, yes, props all the way. I have, like, a collection of, like, potion jars now on my kitchen counter still from playing um, the New World Magiscola. um, Oh, shoot, it's the werewolf one, but I don't remember what it's called. But it was awesome. And we we just, like, put out a bunch of random things and just had a table over there, and you could just wander by and just, like, grab stuff that you were like, and I need to have something that expresses this. But, like, the other cool thing about that is, like, you can just out of character tell someone, like, by the way, this chain that I'm wearing is actually all silver, right? Even though, like, yeah. visually as a human, we're like, no, it's half gold and half silver. Like, no, this is a silver chain for the purposes of this game. Awesome, cool. And then we can all interact with it as if it's that. Um, and yeah. then go forward. Oh, yeah, mm, mm, it's going to happen. I know. I'm a big dude, though. Like, clothes aren't really an option for me, right? So, like, I mean, you like, say I don't have, that. I don't have, I have, I don't a have costumes. sewing machine. Yeah, I'm saying up until you, like I've never had this option before, right? Like I don't I I don't own any costumes that are like my size, right? So like I don't like I don't do Halloween, I don't I, I don't do cosplay, I don't do like things at cons. Like there's a reason why I pretty much wear like, you know, a black polo and shorts in the summer and a black polo and jeans in the winter, right? Like I kind of just have one look. So that's kind of a thing, like, for me, like, that's a thing about LARPs that's kind of a barrier to entry for me, right? Like, like if I got to go all Harry Potter looking or something in a LARP, like, I don't really have a lot of options on that. I know, but like, we, I, just, we, just, I can't, we just dressed like we had been expelled from the prom. No, I know. But you guys can all go, like, you guys can all go to Goodwill. It's true. I, I do actually like, I understand can't go to Goodwill. that pain, and it hurts me. And I, I don't like it. But also, this next one, I really am making most of it by hand. <laughs> no, also, like, also out of my reach, right? That's okay, like, that's I got also you. not a thing I can do. I got you. Um, so, yeah. So, for me, like, I guess maybe that's part of it, right? I'm not, I'm not uh, hands-on artistic. Like, my best work is um, illustrator. Like, that kind of stuff. Like, some graphic design stuff. So character sheets and GM handouts. And like I said, the day I made the, um, I made the quarter day clock for, uh, uh, forbidden lands, like that stuff I can do. Right. Like that was a, like that was a graphics arts project to put, you know, the square with all the different, um, pictures in it and the words around it and then laminate it, cut a hole in it and put a spinner on it kind of thing. Like that's like the extent of my shit. And even that, I think I had some help with. I know. Um, some, one of these times, I'm, I really am going to make you a cape. I'm going to make you a con- right. convention cape. It's going to be fun. Like a little half cape, like a like a, a Lando Calrissian cape, right? Yeah, I don't know if I'm a Lando Calrissian oh, okay. cape guy. I think I'm like what? a fucking Batman cape guy. Uh, like, just, I mean, with, with the like bits at the bottom. Vader. I need like Vader. I, I, Vader is a much easier cape than a Batman cape. I, I don't want yeah, to have like, to do I'm like a cuts. fucking... I'm like a Vader cape or something like, like it it should be made of something like so black that it makes the, like it absorbs light around it. So velvet. (laughs) Yes. 
Yes, with like purple on the inside. I'm going to tell you. No, red. Red on the inside. I want a black oh cape with red on the inside. If I made you a Dark black red. velvet cape. Yes. You would die of the heat. <laughs> Probably. Yes. Probably would die of you the would. heat. You mm-hmm. would. I'm a big dude. Like I generate some, I generate some heat as well. Yeah. Cool. Have we beaten? T- I don't I mean, think we've helped Mo at all with props. We didn't help with props but, at all, but I think but, we should just go but, with it. But thanks, Mo, because when you guys get to the end of this episode, there's some outtakes on this piece <laughs> that are just gold. <laughs> I love grab bag episodes. Oh, man. We just no rhyme or reason to This is to so them. weird. We should do the last one, but we should do it, like, fast. Okay, cool. Let's talk about finding inspirations. Like, where do you get inspirations for games to run? I mean, the interesting answer for me personally, which is just the easiest answer, this is like lightning round right now, right? Um, Is that I keep discovering new games because people ask me to play them on my podcast. Um, So part of the answer to that for me is like listening to podcasts and or following through Twitter and seeing things that look really interesting. But like, I really do pick up a lot both from running my podcast, but also listening to other people's podcasts where they play games, right? Because you can hear it happening and you can determine if you like the way that it feels and like the direction that it goes and all of those things um so yes that that's 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 how i find games to run frequently now sometimes there's like a lot of stuff on itch right now that's just super duper cool and every now and then you just like something jumps out you stumble across a thing and you're like wow yes and there's like these amazing little games out there and i am so interested in that entire creation process and like so don't have time to jump in on it but like wow super super into like catching these really neat games and rituals that are are coming out of that space right now yeah but that's also me kind of wanting things that uh, tend to be high emotion, and that is a uh, place that a lot of high emotion little short games are coming from right now. I don't know. Um, how are you getting inspiration for for games? I mean, let me say actually one more thing, and then I'll pass it over. Mm-hmm. The one more thing that I will say is because of my particular style of GMing, I very rarely am running around like, oh my god, here's this super cool story that I really want to run. What system am I going to put it in and who's going to play? Like, that's not how I usually function. I am usually running around like, here's this really awesome game that I want to run because it does cool things. Okay, what is a scenario I can put into that game, right? So Mm -hmm. I am inspired by finding a game that sparks interest in me. And then I just, you know, figure out what the easiest way to launch that into action is. So it's it's not it's not like, ooh, I watched a movie and now I want to recreate this sort of story thing. Like I've I've tried that in my life. That is the kind of GMing that historically does not work for me. It's gone pretty badly for me. So that just doesn't tend to be how I do things anymore. Sorry. Now go, Phil. Where are you finding yeah, my answer is actually not that um, my answer is not actually that different from yours. I don't spend too much time worrying with one notable exception. I don't spend too much time worrying about what exactly I'm going to run for a given session. The stuff I actually run conceptually is actually pretty simple. And then I more rely on uh, my players to make it far more interesting 
for me. Like the things I wind up presenting are pretty straightforward problems, maybe a little twist here and there, those kinds of things. My notable exception for that was going to be my Tales from the Loop Loop game, where I actually put in considerable effort in coming up with the plot, the meta plot that went over the entire campaign actually really poured in a lot of work to, to get that down. Um, and really the inspiration from it came spontaneously because it was one of the players. Uh, it was two of the players. One of the players had their, their mother had, had vanished and the other player's aunt was the, uh, one of the villains in the first story. And I was like, I was like, well, I'm pretty sure I can put these two things together, which is actually how I start on one of these things. Like when I start to get inspired, it is usually I take two um, separate items and I'm like, I wonder how I can stick these things together with a story in the middle. Uh, And then that takes off from there. So like in that case, um, in that case, I, you know, wound up doing something really elaborate and it actually took some time to actually write it out, plan it, plot it and stuff like that. And it's not a thing I normally do. Uh, but it totally worked for that genre, yeah. right? Because that genre was very much about mysteries and then a meta plot and all that. Um, but normally, day-to-day, the stuff I um, pull out for games um, that I run now is actually pretty straightforward. What I really count on is the game and the players to complicate that up. Yeah. Um, so PBTA does a good job of making things more complicated uh, with the 7 to 9 role, and then my players uh, will never miss an opportunity to A, make things more complicated, but also to just sit and have like some good character stuff, which I don't have to do anything for other than give them some space to be their characters. So then for me, it goes back to the same thing like you. I'm always on the hunt for a game that does a thing that I don't currently have or it becomes a genre that I've become intensely interested in. And so for me, that's why Transit took off because Transit to me was something really unique. The idea of playing AIs embedded into ships with humans and going out and doing space stuff. Cool. Seemed wild. And then the, also where I get my super creepy now that I understand how the ancillary part works. Anyway, just to be clear, well, you understand the ancillary part from the book because then the second thing I do is, and this is where I get my inspiration from, is when I um, am going to run a game for a particular genre, I like to read, I like to consume media. I'll say that. I like to consume media for that genre. And so for transit, the only media I could find was ancillary justice, mm-hmm. um, which is, which was perfect because it gave me just what I needed to kind of understand what it would be like to be an AI ship uh, and, and, if, and, you know, and have synthetic bodies and stuff like that. So I dig that. But Tales from the Loop, like I was watching Stranger Things at the time, plus I had the art book, the Tales from the Loop art book. So I had read yes. that whole art book. So that's a that's a big thing for me. I get my inspiration um, for running games from the associated media of the genre that I'm playing. So when I ran Masks, I read a ton of comic books, watched a bunch of Marvel movies. Th- that's pretty much always my um, that's always my goal is to find related media and consume it, and then dismantle that into tropes. So that I can put those tropes into the game um, in the context of what I'm building with my players. Yeah. And that 
that is the end of this grab wrap bag. Wrap us up, yeah. And before we head into uh, the closing, Senda, please tell me about another show on the Mistrector Mark Network. Sure. On Zhang Hu Hustle, you can train alongside fellow students Eric Farmer and Eli Kurtz. Eric and Eli make their kung fu stronger by watching wuxia films, then discussing how to apply their observations to game design. Wuxia. Wuxia. Say, Senda. Where do people reach us on the internet? Well, you can find us on Twitter at Pandas Talk Games. You can find us on Misdirected Mark's forums, which is forums.misdirectedmark.com, or you can drop us an email, panda at misdirectedmark.com. And Phil, once they find us in one of those places, what can they do with that information? Well, you should, like Mo, send us some topics. Um, we love to do topics about the things that you find interesting. To be honest, um, we're pretty lazy. We don't actually like coming up with our own topics. So Not a bit. Pretty yeah. much. We're pretty much relying on you guys to supply us <laughs> topics. Otherwise, the whole thing falls apart. Uh, and then we're just talking about Ditch Lily trivia and uh, props. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, keep sending in those keep sending in those topics because we definitely need them. Uh, we like them a whole bunch and we'd like to keep doing them. If you like what we do here on the uh, Pandas Talking Games or elsewhere on the Misdirected Mark Network, please consider supporting our Patreon campaign. The Patreon campaign basically makes all of this possible, right? So it handles how we keep everything running and how we host our files and keep our website up and all of that. So if you're listening to this thing, Patreon money is uh, is is making the wheels turn. And so we thank you immensely. Uh, we do that in a number of ways. So first of all, if you support the Patreon campaign, you're going to get an invite to our Slack room for life. It is a fantastic place full of awesome humans um, having a really good time, actually. Slack room's actually a lot of fun. I sometimes uh, get too tied up uh, at work to keep up with it during the day, but it is a lot of fun. You're going to get the bonus outtakes from the show. I swear this one's going to be a good oh, one. Oh, boy. It is it chock full be. of good bonus outtakes. It should be. Um, and get the Misdirected Mark after show. There's a whole bunch of other things that go with it. But in addition, we like to uh, do some shout outs. Tonight, we're going to shout out to John C. LeMay, the guard at the end of the world, Troy Sandlin, and Jeff Stevens. Thank you very much for your support. And thank you for everyone else who's supporting us uh, each month. Uh, Senda, mm-hmm. as you know, if people listen to the show, they will fall in love with us and listen to this show. That is really, a known fact. This is a bit now. This is a known fact that if people listen to the show, they will fall in love with us and want to keep listening to the show. Some people, so much so, they will go back and listen to the whole backlog, which I think is pretty it's heroic. wild. Yeah. Yes. But in order to do that, you actually have to hear the show. So uh, we've done our part. Like I, like I often have headphones and just will walk into a game store or something and stick earbuds in and make people listen to an episode. Um, but <laughs> we actually- Just walk like, up to I can, people and jam? Yeah, just jam. consent I, for I, that. I, no, I, I'd like to, but I don't really have time. So I just like some alcohol wipes to keep it hygienic. It's really not okay. But just put them in and turn it on, make them listen, convert them. I can only be in so many places at it's any given really, time converting people. I have to um, protest. <laughs> so, um, so there has to be another way that more people could find out about the show. Um, and and Promotion that has, is hard. There's got to be another way. <laughs> yes. So what is that way? You could leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice. Every new review we get really does actually help new people find the show, which is fantastic. And if you leave it somewhere that's not the U.S. Apple Podcast Store, we would love to hear about it because we love to read them because it makes us super duper happy. Anyway, so Phil, show me how you are going to deal with the next time one of your players doesn't show up. Show me what you got. Show me what you got. Show me what you got. Show me what you got.
This show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Bloopy. And my house smells like amazing bread. Yes, bread. My house. It smells so my good. My house does not smell like bread. My house smells well, faintly of Axe body spray because I have a teenager. Because you have a teenage boy. Yes, I have a teenage boy. We. I refer oh to his bedroom now as the Axatorium. So my mom for um, my mom is one of his Ow. many Christmas presents. Got him like a nine pack of Axe body sprays. Oh no. So, He's, um, they gave my child Axe body wash at school. Can I say there's a weird not there's a weird binary thing that happens when they're teaching them about puberty because like I don't know what they gave the girls, but they gave all the boys Axe body wash. You know, I I would think it would you know what I think would be better? I think it would be better if they, you know, like look. I I think it would be better if they just did this. Um we're going to do this like we're, you know what? We're not splitting you up gender-wise. Like, we're all going to tell yeah. you the same thing. And then at I the agree. end, and then at the end, there's a table you, full of stuff. You take whatever you, you take want. The, you take whatever item feels like yeah. you. One, the other, both. Whatever it is. I don't care. Yes. Right. Okay. That's that's how I feel about it, too. But I also... It's very... Like, that whole that whole system, that, that early health thing is very oh. gendered. It's it's very it's very gendered uh, and messy. I agree. All right, we're gonna anyway. switch topics. <laughs> okay, do, 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 do. let's go over to the show area. Do, 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 do. Let's go to the show. Let's go to the. Wait, well, this is not Mister. <laughs> All right, are you ready? The B show. Uh-huh. Meow. Meow. Bloop. And welcome to another episode of Pandas Talking Games. I'm the host that flew from the east. <laughs> and your name is? <laughs> Bloop. They're just going to mess Somebody's gonna with do it. The thing from, they're going to do the thing from aliens on the table. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just inevitable, right? So Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Let's check. Let's check. What, what, thing, what thing will they do from aliens on the table? <laughs> Well, now. <laughs> God damn it! Did you did you think you were gonna sneak? Did you think you were gonna I, sneak I that pop culture did. reference past? I me? almost did. But tell no, me what did. it is. I've seen one of the Alien movies. Which one did I see? Which one did you see? I don't know. I saw the one with "Get away from her, you bitch." Well, then you actually then didn't remember the I do, I get yeah, that's what I'm like I think I just don't remember it what with is it Bishop the synthetic where he puts his hand over the human's hand and then he takes the oh. knife and he taps it between the fingers yeah I completely he can't forgot hurt about himself that. yeah I completely forgot about that uh, I feel like you're gonna need a rewatching of this movie I've only seen it once and it was I only I'm sorry it was a, a minimum take a of, sip of water. 15 hang on. years ago hang on <laughs> Only have seen it once. <laughs> this is a movie that if I. If I'm quote. watching Aliens again, you have to watch Big Trouble. Like this is the deal. Well, I mean, I don't know. The Aliens is like a good movie, so I feel like I need to make you but watch. But you're going like to make me watch A Team. Then you have to watch Big Big 
Trouble is also a good movie. I am hurt and astonished by that terrible review on Rotten Tomatoes. It is a very good movie. Okay. First of all, no one <laughs> knows what you're talking I about. I know. Right now. That's the terrible Non-linear part. podcasting. Wait till you get to the outtakes. You'll find out what, we'll oh, find out what all totally, that's You think that this about. is staying in? This is also going in the outtakes. <laughs> It'll be fine. It's going to end up linearly after our beginning conversation in the outtakes. You think I leave this oh shit in the show? I don't even right, know what we were me, talking about anymore. <laughs> Maps? Okay. Paper? Props? Oh, daggers. <laughs> I'm going to talk about props for a second because you're like full of giggles. <laughs> well, whose fault is that? Go on. I know you telegraphed that in the last episode, for God's sake. <laughs> uh, Wait. F- yes. I have a question. What? What? I understand why the sticking an earbud into somebody's ear might be <laughs> non-consensual. Yes. Um, and, and, and so uh, would it be better... If I just hit them with like an over the ear, um, like just like like an over the ear headphone, I, mean, I feel like it's le- like just maybe you should boom. just walk around with a boombox so that. Well, I feel like that's even not... less consensual because I'm like I'm blasting a whole bunch of people. I Whereas, know, but that's basically like with one person. I'm just instead like instead you're attacking one individual. Yeah, but I'm making them an instant fan. <laughs> I see where you're. I see where you're we going with this. Some, I, I think, think we've got some problems here. I think I need to. I think I'm going to need to revise you're gonna, my. You're going to need here. to workshop this one. All right. You know what? Instead, you're right. Let's let's just stick with the Apple Podcast. Thing. I'm not even going to do the other thing. <laughs> okay. Good. Right. That's probably better. All right. Are we settled on the Apple Podcast? I thing? think yes. People should just okay. leave us reviews. Okay. Sounds good. Do okay. that. Right. <laughs> Bloop. Yeah. I don't He's going to be dead, huh? <laughs> like you didn't the- come. Your your character died. No, I've never done that, actually. <coughs> we got to end this thing, because I thought it was going to be short, and it's not. Yeah, it will be when you take out the 10 minutes of props and laughter. I mean, it will be, except I still have to edit that part. So for my purposes, it's not short. <laughs> Say goodbye. Bye. Bye. Stop. <laughs>